Well, good morning, church. Will you pray with me before we, we get started this morning? Father, we love you, and we just ask for you to speak to our hearts. Father, my hope and my prayer this morning is that we are living a life that is anticipating your return. That we truly do understand that we serve a God who is coming again. Father, today may you calm our hearts. May you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive so that we truly can hear your words. I say this often, but I really mean it. I don't want them to hear my words. My words are flawed and broken. If they hear me, they'll leave just as broken and empty and hopeless as they came. But if they hear you, you're the one who brings life to the lifeless. You're the one that brings hope to the hopeless. And so, Father, today we want to hear you in a real and radical way. And may we leave today truly anticipating what you're going to do in our life. I pray that we leave expecting something huge and radical. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Do you remember what it felt like to be a child on Christmas Eve? I mean, really, do you remember waking up and you knew it was Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas, and you spent all day just trying to get to the night because you wanted it to become night because you knew the faster dark came, the quicker you were going to get to Christmas Day. I don't know about you, but I can remember as a child one specific Christmas, and every Christmas I had something I was anticipating. But this particular year, I was anticipating a basketball hoop, and I could not wait to get it. I knew that if I could just get that hoop, I could become just like Michael Jordan. I knew that that was what was holding me back. I knew it. And so I was anticipating it. All of you that know me, that's, that didn't happen. But I thought it was going to happen. I was like, man, I really want this. And I can remember going to sleep that night kind of with one eye open because I was so anxious and I was so ready. And I just couldn't wait. And I was one of those little kids that when morning came, I was up in everyone, not just in my house, but the neighborhood was up. Because I was ready. I was anticipating. I was excited and maybe you remember that too. Maybe you remember that night where Christmas was about to come and, and you remember sitting as a small child and you just couldn't wait. You couldn't fall asleep, but you knew if you did fall asleep, it would come sooner, but you just couldn't because you were just anticipating it so much so. I was just waiting one night. Imagine having to wait 400 years. You see, the Israelites experienced just that. They had to wait 400 years, and I'm sure many of you have read the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and maybe some of you have read it, and, and you didn't realize that the time between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew in the New Testament, it was 400 years. In fact, we're told in that 400 years, God stopped speaking to the people. He, he didn't communicate, and if you've read the Old Testament, you know that the Lord communicated often in various ways. He would speak to the people, but for that time, 400 years, things just went silent. And, and 400 years is a long time. I don't know if you can get your mind around that. I'm not talking 10 years or 20 years or even 250 years about the amount of time our country has been existing. I'm, I'm not just talking about that. 400 years is a lot of time. To kind of put in perspective a couple fun facts for you, 400 years ago, William Shakespeare still walked and lived on this earth. Many of us have read his books, whether we wanted to or not, in high school, right? He was still living. 400 years ago, Galileo, for the first time, rolled up a piece of paper and made the first, his first telescope. 400 years ago, Isaac Newton gave us the law of gravity. A lot happens in a 400 span. Look at where we are today from just those few fun facts. 400 years is a lot of time and, and a lot of things 
go on. We also know that prior to that 400 years of silence, the Lord had promised the Messiah to his people. But as true of people in our day and age, people forget. People move on. People get busy. They become consumed with daily lives. And sometimes they, they begin to forget or neglect what's really important. And you see, although the Lord was silent, I want you to hear this. Although the Lord was silent for those 400 years, he didn't stop working. Amen, church? He still continued to work his plan. He still continued to put things into motion. He still continued to do what only God could do, and that was to create a plan. And ultimately, his plan was to bring a savior to the world. You see, over those 400 years, many people likely lost hope. I can imagine over 400 years, they began to probably say, is he ever going to do what he said? Are we ever going to get this Messiah? He's not even speaking to us. Maybe some of them thought it was their own fault, and they began to go, I don't know if this is going to happen. I can imagine the days got dark and the days got gloomy, and I think the same message that God wanted them to hear then is what he wants us to hear now. Hold on. Cling to me. Hope is coming. Amen? And I want you to hear that because the days are dark, aren't they? Times are tough and people are fighting with people that, you know, and we're arguing over parking spots on Black Friday and we've got all of these issues in our culture, in our community, in our world, in our country and just everywhere we look, we go, man, can it get any darker? And I think the Lord wants you to hear today, cling to me, hope is coming. Jesus is coming again, amen? Hope is on the way, cling to me, hold on to me, hope is coming You see, despite the people's struggles and the silence from God, some people held on to the promises of God. Some people continued to pass down from generation to generation the goodness of God and encouraged one another to cling and live for him. And ultimately, that's what I want us to do today. I want us to lead today understanding that God is good, amen? Life is hard. You've heard me say this, life is hard. But in Jesus, life is good, amen? And I want you to hear this because it's so important. In these moments of of chaos, we need to cling to Jesus because hope is coming. Hope is on the way. And you and I have been called for such a time as this to cling to Jesus and live out the goodness of God. It's you and I's responsibility to live and love Jesus. You see, they continued again to pass down from generation to generation the goodness of God. And they encouraged one another to cling to him in the midst of this silence, in the midst of potentially this this darkness. Finally, after 400 years of silence, God broke his silence and spoke. In Luke chapter 1, we're told of a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Bible describes them as being blameless and upright. Zechariah and Elizabeth continued. They were, they were part of the people who continued to live and cling to God. They're part of those. Can you imagine that as if in order for Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth to have cling, somebody had to have showed them that. Someone had to tell them. 400 years was a long time. We know Zechariah and Elizabeth was only about 60, 70, maybe 80 at this point. And so somebody else had to continue to tell them about the goodness of God. He's been silent. He's not speaking. We're not sure what's going to happen. Is this ever going to end? What's going to happen next? And somebody in that line of family decided to go, I'm going to continue to cling to him. I'm going to continue to cling to God so that my family will know that God is good and he has a plan and he has a purpose and hope is coming. We're going to cling to his promises. 
So here we have Zechariah and Elizabeth. And those of you that are familiar with their story, you know that the Lord speaks to them through Gabriel and tells the angel Gabriel and tells them that they will have a son. And his name is to be John. Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says, And he, John the Baptist, will go on before the Lord in spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God chose them. God chose Elizabeth and Zechariah in that midst of 400 years. He had a plan, and that plan included Zechariah and Elizabeth. That plan was about them so that they could bring a child. And I love how God did this again. He shows us this over and over in Scripture. He uses the least likely to be a huge part of his story. Right, if you know their story, you know that, again, she's 70, 80 years old. She's not been able to have children. In fact, this has been a stigma in her relationship with other people. And she's been, you know, fighting this her entire life. And God shows up and he doesn't bring this earthquake as he speaks for the first time in 400 years. No, in the silence, him and, and, and Zechariah in the temple, he's, he's burning incense. And the Gabriel shows up and just one-on-one, he begins to declare that your wife, a woman who's in her potential 80s is going to give birth to a son, and that son is going to prepare the way of the Lord. Can you imagine being Zachariah in that moment? Can you imagine being Elizabeth in that moment to go, what, huh? Couldn't you have done this like 40, 50 years ago? It would have been a little easier. No, but he chose the least likely moment to bring himself back, to show up, because hope is coming. Hope is coming. God had a mission and he chose to break his silence with them in that moment and give them a son, John the Baptist, so that he could point people to Christ. Amen? That was part of his plan. He wasn't sitting in that 400 years doing nothing. No, he had a plan. He was in control. He was sovereign all of those times. And his plan will and did come to fruition. And it will and it will come to fruition because Jesus is coming again. Amen? God then speaks again through the angel Gabriel to tell Mary she will give birth to the Savior of the world and he will be called Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Hope is coming. Again, we hear it. Hope is coming. You see, just as the people waited for 400 years for the coming of the Lord, we too are awaiting the return of Jesus. Again, amen, church? We are awaiting the return of Jesus. I hear it all the time. Jesus is coming. I can't wait for Jesus to come. Man, this world is crazy. Jesus needs to come quick. I can't wait for Jesus to come. Jesus is coming. But here's the issue. Here's the deal. We're not waiting in silence, amen, church? We have God. We have a relationship with God. Through the Holy Spirit, we can be in communion with God. We're not in silence. We're not wondering. We know how the story ends. And the story ends when the crowds roll back and Jesus comes ushering in and he takes us home. Amen? Jesus is coming. Hope is on the way. And I want to encourage you this morning, church. Don't get weary in well-doing. Hope is coming. Jesus is coming. And I want to challenge you this morning to cling to three words. 
And I want to encourage you to wait expectantly. I want to encourage you to wait expectantly. And as we wait expectantly, it should shape the way we live. It should shape who we become. It should shape what we do. It should shape what we allow into our world. It should shape the very being of who we are. Three words I want us to cling to. Number one, understand, believe, and share. Understand, believe, and share. One, understand. We must know that Jesus is returning. We must know that Jesus is returning. You and I must really understand this. Things are not going to continue this way forever. Amen. Things are not going to continue this way forever. Jesus is coming again. And yes, it has been 2,000 years since Christ gave his life on the cross and he rose again and he went back up to be with with, with God in heaven. It has been 2,000 years from that. And it has felt like a long time. And maybe there's people in this room that are even going, is this ever going to happen I wonder if this is really going to happen. Is, it really, is he really going to do what he said? Just as he brought the baby in a manger in a town called Bethlehem, Jesus was born. And so he will return again. Jesus is coming again. Our God is faithful to keep his promises. And if he says it, he will do it. Amen? Amen. Jesus is coming again. And you must understand that. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, do it today. And maybe you're saying, well, why is there such an urgency? Because Jesus is coming again. He's coming again to take all who believe in him. And I don't want you to miss that. I I have a deep burning inside of me for you to know that. And for you to understand that God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. So that you could be, so your penalty of sin could be paid for. All he's asking for us to do is put our hope and our trust in him. And I want to encourage you today. And if you have not made that decision to trust Jesus as your personal savior. Man, maybe grab the friend of the person who brought you today. Or, or maybe your, your life group leader, or stop by our next steps booth on the way out. We're, we're prepared to share with you, not our words. We're prepared to take you through God's word and share with you his hope and to share with you how you can receive that relationship today and you can leave expecting the return of Jesus today. Don't miss it. Don't wait. Accept him today. Understand, we must know that Jesus is returning We must have a clear understanding in our head. We must really be aware and have a knowledge that Jesus is returning. And number two, believe. We must expect a changed life. As Christians, when we truly believe what God says, it should produce in us a life that reflects him. When we truly, again, as Christ followers, when we truly believe what God says, it should produce in us a life that reflects him. And hear this, I'm not saying you will be perfect I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm saying that even in your shortcomings, you have a yearning to be made whole by him. Hear that. I fail, and I fail often. Man, I would be a liar to stand up here and say, well, if you just get to where I am, if you get to where I am, you're still broken, and you're still hurting, and you still are in need of daily dependence and daily grace. What I'm saying to you is as you and I begin to believe and we begin to cling to God, we begin to have this yearning to go, I'm not okay with the messiness in my life. I'm not okay with who I've become. I want to be more for you, Christ. I want to live greater for you. I want to have a deeper understanding of you. I want to have a deeper uh, love affair with you. I want to be caught up in you. And I'm not okay with halfway. I want you to make me whole. 
want you to make me complete. Your grace is sufficient for me, and I want to know you like never before. And so maybe you're here today, and you just need to repent. I know I did. Before I came up, I made sure that I took time away, and it wasn't just out of duty or obligation. It's because I wanted to make sure that as I came up here, I could truly say, God and I had a conversation where I have submitted all of my worries and all of my fears and all of my cares at the feet of Jesus, knowing that that's the safest place for them to be. And he has made me whole today. You see, folks, when you and I truly believe, when we understand that God is coming and we believe in that power, it should shape the way we live. It should change the things we think about. It should change the things we get involved with. It should change the way we interact. It should change every part of our being. And when we find ourselves slipping back into the control of the world, it should slap us and go, I don't want to be this way. I want to fix it. Perfection's not found in me, it's found in him. And he is strength when I am weak. Amen, church? I want to ask you, are you drawing from him the source, the well that brings life? He's asking us and he's encouraging us. He's saying, listen, if you really get this, if you really believe this, if you really understand that Christ is coming again, then it should shape the way you live. 2 Peter 3.14 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, you're looking forward to being in the presence of God, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. If we really believe that Jesus is coming back, we will desire to live pure, upright, godly, and self-controlled lifestyles. We will. And we'll have an anticipation of seeing our Lord. Number three, share. We must expect to give this love and joy away to others. You see, when we know he's coming and we believe that he's coming and it's not just something in our head knowledge, but it's moved to our heart and we are aware of it and we feel it, we know it and it is moving us and prompting us. The only response is to share it with the people around you. You see, we can't keep this news to ourselves. You and I must be actively looking to live out the Jesus in us. And I think what a better opportunity than the Christmas season to live out the Jesus in us. What an opportunity. Maybe there's a coworker that you can just say Merry Christmas to. Maybe there's a, a person in your neighborhood that you can bring a small gift to. Maybe you can make it, whatever. It's not about what you give them. It's about inviting them into a forever relationship with the Lord. It's about finding that open door so that you can share the hope that lives in you and that hope is Jesus and Jesus is coming again. Amen, church? It's hope. And he's on his way. And once we understand that and we believe that, it should motivate us to share that. My son, just the other night, we were reading something. He was reading something, a book, and, and, and it said, Mary, it said, I don't know, something Xmas. And the book clearly had the intentions of taking Christ out of Christmas. And he kind of looked at me with this puzzled face and he said, you know, Dad, why does it have this on here? I said, well, son, sometimes people want to take Christ out of Christmas. And you see it a lot in our malls and places we go. It says happy holidays. We no longer say Christmas. And we see it on people's houses and all these different things. And he goes, well, why would they want to do that? I said, well, because some people don't understand that. Christ is hope. Some people don't understand that he is the greatest relationship in all of the world and, and they're making it every effort they can to fill that in with something else. And, and I kind of explained it to him the best I could in that moment. It was quick and I didn't want to go too deep with him. And so he just kind of looked at me like, what? And he just simply looked at me and he goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
He's eight years old. The, just the, the purity of an eight-year-old is just a beautiful thing, child. He's like, he said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Why wouldn't you want Christmas to have Christ? That's the whole reason we have Christmas. And I was like, yes, that's right. So later on, you know, uh, we're walking down the street, and we just got all our Christmas lights up after I finally got them all working. And, and uh, we were walking down the street to kind of look at everybody else's. And, and there were some neighbors outside, and he looked at me, and he goes, Dad. I said, what? He goes, and he's kind of shy, even though if you talk to him, he, he kind of cowers a little bit. And he said, Dad. I said, what? He goes, can I tell the, the neighbors Merry Christmas? And we just moved in. We don't know the people, and we don't know anyone in our neighborhood hardly. And I said, yeah, sure, you can tell them Merry Christmas. And I thought, man, what? I need to have that kind of heartbeat. I need to have that kind of desire. And if, uh, to be totally vulnerable and totally honest with you, I kind of thought to myself at first, I was like, I don't know, some, we don't really know them. They don't know us. I don't know if this is the right time. We might want to first meet them, know their name. But I just said, you know what? Yes, yeah, I don't want to stunt that. That's a beautiful thing. And so I said, sure, you can tell them Merry Christmas. And I promise you, he turned around and he said, because I want them to know that Christ is in Christmas. Folks, I, I wonder today, is our awareness of God so deep that we just want to shout Merry Christmas to strangers. We want to share that Christ is in our life. My little boy was telling me, listen, Jesus lives in me, and I want them to know that. I have been changed by Jesus. I am eight, but I get it. I have faith like a child. I understand it. I am ready for Jesus. I want them to know they need Jesus. And can I be honest with you? When you truly understand that Christ is coming and you believe that in your heart, we should be just like him. And we should be wanting to proclaim it at the mountaintops because we truly are a light in this world. We truly are a city on a hill. We truly are the mouthpiece of the Lord. And it's you and I's job to share the hope that comes from Christ. Amen, church? See, the gospel should be a frequent topic of conversation. If our hearts are full of love for Jesus and our minds and lives are fixed on his return, why would we not and how could we not share the love of Christ? If our minds and our hearts and our eyes are fixed and focused on the coming of Christ, how could we not and why would we not want to share the hope of Christ? We have the greatest gift anyone will ever receive. Can anyone agree with me about that? We have the greatest gift anyone could ever receive and so many of us sit on it including me, right? I've been in those situations where I'm sitting in a restaurant and I know the Lord's nudging me. He's going, listen, share that. And I'm going, well, you, you can't be telling me to do this right now. I'll, I'll write it down. Maybe I'll send them a letter, right? And I begin to think of all the reasons why I shouldn't. And can I just tell you, there's no reason you shouldn't because you and I have hope and hope is coming again and his name is Jesus. And it's your and I's job to know that, to believe that and to share that with everyone we come in contact with. I want to ask you this morning, are you expecting Christ's return? If we were to look at your life and survey your life, does your life show that you have a longing and an expectation for the Savior's return? And I want to challenge you then, this Christmas season, it's, it's going to be crazy just like any other Christmas season. 
People are going to be shopping and buying and spending more money than they could ever possibly dream of spending. They're going to go in debt for years to come because they got to have the best, most spectacular Christmas. And, and they're going to just do that. And people are going to fight with one another and they're going to argue about who's going to get that last toy and who's going to get more and who's going to get that first spot in the parking lot and who's going to get to the register the quickest. I, I was in the stores Right? I was in Publix just before Thanksgiving, and there was lines so long, and I thought, man, here we are, all getting ready to be thankful for what we have, and all we're concerned about is getting out and running over each other to get out. And what's this going to be it? We've got the craziness. The holiday season brings this hustle and this bustle and so many selfish people. But you and I, as a Christ follower, our focus should be fixed on Christ to the place where we don't have to be first in line. We should be so consumed with the return of Christ that everything we do reflects an agenda that says, this world's not about me. This day's not about me. If I don't get that, it's fine. I didn't probably need it anyways. If you want the front spot, fine. I'll park in the back and I'll walk. Why? Because today's not about me. Today's not anything to do with me. The only thing today's about is me getting an opportunity to share with anyone I can that hope is coming. Don't miss it. Hope is coming. Today is not going to be like this forever. Hope is coming. Jesus is returning. And everyone who knows him will be going with him. And you and I need to be sharing that with everyone we know. Hope is coming. You see, as we believe as we understand that Christ is coming again and we believe that promise, it will shape the way we live and the way we carry ourselves. And I pray it would lead us to a place where all we can do is share the hope we have in our life with the people around us. And that hope is Jesus. And I wanna ask you this morning, are you living a life of expectation? Are you living a life of expectation? Simply put, what did you expect to receive this morning. As you got dressed, as your alarm went off and you got out of bed and you got dressed and you began to take care of the things you need to take care of so that you could come to this facility, so you could come to this church and you walked into those doors, what expectation did you have? Did you come because you come every other week? Did you assume it'll be just like last week or did you have this deep expectation that Christ is coming and he has brought you this far for a reason and he wants you to hear something and he wants you to know something or he wants you to feel something so that you could go out and be a light in the midst of darkness? Are you expecting the Lord to do powerful and miraculous things in your life? Maybe you're here today and you're going, listen, John, my life kind of feels like 400 years of silence. I'm hurting I'm broken. My marriage is a mess. My relationship with my friend is a mess. My finances are, are, are de, de, just gone. They're diminished. Forget savings. I don't even know how I'm going to wake up and make tomorrow happen. Can I just encourage you? Hope is coming. And you and I have an incredible opportunity. We do not live in the years of silence. We have a mediator. We have this Holy Spirit living in us. We have Jesus and we can go to him and we can cast our cares upon him and we can find recovery in him and we can find hope in him and we can find joy in him. You see, everything you lack today, he is. He is the great I am. He is capable of all things. And I wanna encourage you today, are you expecting him? to be all you need? Are you expecting him to solve your issue? 
Or are you expecting people, so many of us put our hope in people. So many of us put our hope in things. And can I just tell you, if you're putting your hope in your marriage, if your hope in your marriage is that you would fix it, it's hopeless. If you're hoping that if you can just get another job to get more money, you're hopeless. You see, I've had a job that gave me more money and I still needed more. If you're here today and you're, and you're saying to yourself, I'm going to fix this or this person's going to help me get through this, I promise you, you're hopeless. You see, until we give Jesus total control and until we expect him to do what only he can do, we are hopeless. Amen, church? I want to ask you today, those of us that are hurting, are you expecting Christ to bring the miracle? Do you have an expectation that Christ can bring deliverance to your pain? Do you have an expectation that Christ can bring healing to your marriage? Do you have an expectation that Christ can bring freedom to your finances? Because here's what I know. When I cast my cares to him and I expect him to do it, I no longer have to worry how that looks. I no longer have to worry what that's going to be like, right? When it's up to me to fix my marriage, I got to make sure I say the right things and I do the right things and I go the right places and I act in all the ways I'm supposed to act and the pressure is on. But when I'm expecting Christ to do it, all I need to do is get out of the way and let him do what only he can do. God calls you today. God calls you today to do the possible. He will take care of the impossible. He will take care of the miraculous. And so I want to encourage you, church, do not get weary in well-doing because hope is coming. And even greater than that is hope lives in you. And he promises us he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. This morning as the team sings this last song, I want to encourage you guys to do something. You see, we have these trees up here. We're going to call them trees of anticipation. And we have these little tags, and as the team sings, I want to encourage you just to come up and write what you're expecting the Lord to do. Maybe it's as simple as, I'm expecting you to bring peace in my relationship. I'm expecting you to bring healing in my life. I'm expecting you to give me freedom. I'm expecting you to help me get delivered from this addiction in my life. Or maybe it's I'm expecting you to, to give me an opportunity to share my faith with someone. I'm expecting you to, to show me which coworker you want me to share who you are in my life with. Jesus, give me someone to give a gift to this year. And as I give that gift to share the greatest gift they'll ever receive, and that's a relationship with you. See, church, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. And I want to encourage you, don't leave the church today going home the same way you came every other week. Have an expectation. I love how that video said, it said, dream big. The possibilities are endless. Dream big. He says, listen, I'm not, she goes on and she says, I'm not just hoping these things are going to happen. I'm expecting them to happen. Nothing's going to happen if you don't give it to Christ and expect it to. You can't keep controlling it, church. I want to ask you this Christmas season, as the whole world around you gets busy, 
And the whole world around you starts worrying about what they're going to buy and how they're going to pay for it and how they're going to do this and all of these parties and all of this stuff. I wonder what if this church decided, you know what? I'm just going to fix my eyes on the coming of the Lord. And I'm going to let my knowledge and my understanding of that reality affect my heart. And I'm going to believe it deep within my soul. And I'm going to share that hope with everyone I know. And I am going to expect that the Lord is going to do great and miraculous things. This is from the nine o'clock, the little tags you see. And I am so excited to get to noon and just watch all of the expectations our church has for the Lord. And then I'm going to just anticipate that the Lord's going to one by one begin to answer us. And it may not be the answer we were waiting for. It may not look how we want it to look. But here's what I know. When it's in Christ, it's everything I need. Amen. I want to ask you today as they sing, if the Lord's speaking to you, if he's not, feel comfortable. Just stay right where you are. No pressure. This isn't about how many things we can get on the tree. No, this is about you making a declaration in your heart that says it's not about me. This Christmas season will not be about me. It's about me fixing my eyes on the creator of the world and awaiting the Messiah. I am expecting. I'm not just hoping. I'm expecting. If God's talking to you, you come.